Ladies and, well, ladies, we're talking business. Ladies' business. No, not that ladies' business. Ladies in business. Especially trading business. Whether you're a CEO, self-employed, working for someone or supporting someone else in theirs, this is a podcast about ladies in trading businesses. Join your host, Nick Cox, one half of Tradies in Business and the Tradiepreneur Program, as she interviews inspirational, everyday, motivational and extraordinary women from all industries and walks of life about what it takes to be a truly successful, modern lady in business. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Ladies in Business podcast. I'm joined by yet another amazing guest. I'm so blessed to have such wonderful people in my life that I was able to pull on really quickly as we pulled this together prior to Christmas. And we've purposely done it prior to Christmas because some of these stories are just what you need to hear right now. And Karen's uh, information that she has to share today is very purposeful and extremely important as we work into the busyness that is Christmas. Um, today I'm joined by Carol, Karen Muggleton from People Alignment. Karen, hello and welcome to the show. Hi Nick, thank you so much for having me along. It's a real privilege to spend time with you guys. It's always a bit of fun so thank you so much. You are most welcome. I hope I can still be fun even without Warwick in the driver's seat. I'm like, <laughs> struggling with the concept but we're getting there Um, Karen tell us a little bit about what we're talking today a bit about EQ and I'd love to understand you know a basic concept of what is EQ you and I have done quite a bit of work around this before but a lot of our listeners will be hearing that term for the first time and whilst they're probably very aware of it perhaps they don't understand the term and how it all works together Yeah, sure, Nick. And look, it does sound like a bit of a mouthful, but just think of, you know, we have our IQ, which is apparently our academic uh, intelligence, and our EQ is our internal intelligence. So we've all got it. It's just through the busyness of life and life experiences, good, bad, and whatever, it gets pushed down. And sometimes we forget that we do have that internal data source. So EQ, put in simple terms, is just about being smart with our feelings. Mm. I shouldn't say just because it is actually quite hard with compounding um, pressures on people. But the simplest term is being smarter with your feelings. That's about as basic you can get. I absolutely love it as an explanation because it is a huge concept. And I think as you start to unpack the idea of EQ, and you observe those around you, you realize how many of us are at totally different stages of life and and that evolving nature that is EQ. We're constantly learning, particularly if we're open to it, of course, and we're constantly being placed in these situations where we can choose the way we behave, choose the way we react, and yet we often just default back to what we were taught when we were children without the understanding that there's an opportunity to make changes to that and grow and learn. Absolutely. And you really hit the nail on the head, Nick. And I will put myself out here and say, you know, I've studied this for a very long time and and a human like everyone else, so living. And I absolutely forget. I absolutely get triggered, you know, pretty often at the moment. And I think, (laughs) oh my gosh, this is actually super hard. Why is this? And it's because if we think of an onion like a metaphor of what we all represent, we're all multi layered, Mm. we've all got very different lives going on, even though we might have similarities with our friends. When we dig beneath the surface, there's stuff going on that only we know about. Mm -hmm. So we're all navigating so much. And then we've got to turn up to these jobs and put on their spray face. And we all put on masks that serve us well in the moment. 
bit like us at the moment. We've got yes. a mask on, right, because we want to be looking professional and knowing what we're doing. Yeah. But underneath yeah. there's an awful lot going on. So if you think of EQ, really it can be your nervous system, I guess, mm. to help you navigate all the complexities. And, my gosh, are there complexities. And I was just reading this morning that um, the Fair Work Commission have ruled that a hotel going in um, standing down staff during lockdown was actually unlawful and as I was reading this this is in Melbourne I was going oh you've got to be kidding me but thankfully by the end of the article they said however it would be unfair to punish the employer because they had no choice sure but when you think of everything that's going on those that poor employer has you know pretty much gone bankrupt and they've been dragged through the commission so is it any wonder that we all flip our lid occasionally and don't put our best self forward which is why we need this little map to try and help us navigate that during those times of high intensity. Absolutely. And, and sorry, also to, to not miss good opportunities when they come along because we often push them away because we think we just can't handle it. I couldn't agree more and I, you've absolutely nailed it. And I talk about this a lot. We get in our own way and we get in our own way through self-doubt, through that thought of I simply can't handle it or I couldn't do it. And so we miss those amazing opportunities and we are triggered to use your word before quite frequently at times of high stress. And I can't think of more stress than Christmas time, particularly for a trade business, as you're trying to balance everybody else's triggers that they bring to the table and then try to attempt to hold your own back. So you don't default, I suppose, to generally poorer behavior. I think when we're not making conscious choices, generally it's into a poorer form of ourselves. But if we take control of that and we learn about our emotional intelligence and how we can actually actively make choice around that on a day-to-day basis, so that those conversations or the, those opportunities for conflict actually become an opportunity for growth, reflection, for a new opportunity within that relationship so that we can move forward. But it's awfully difficult to do when we're feeling really pressured. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. So I thought I might just give some little one-liners that your listeners might want to write down. Great these have saved me so many times. So the first one is if you're in a conversation and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I really don't like the sound of this, probably the best question I've ever learnt through all my coach training, all my EQ and all the other stuff is, can you just help me understand that a bit more? Yes. And what it does is it just means that if you've misunderstood it, you'll get more information, but also buys you that critical time to be able to process. And it also lets the other person know that they might have missed the mark too. Mm. So that's probably the really important one. The other um, important piece is you don't have to remember the whole definitions and names of skills and what not in the EQ framework but it does help if you can get to that point at some juncture but if you just break it down to three pieces which is it's called KCG no choose give and you talked before about we can always choose you know we always do have a choice whether it be just around our thinking in any given moment you know all the famous Victor Frankl and beautiful Dr. Edith Eager, who wrote the most incredible book, The Choice. If anyone's looking for a Christmas gift, that is an amazing, amazing book. And they all explain that even in the darkest of circumstances, we can still choose how we respond. doesn't mean the circumstances are good, but we can put our best self forward. But there's quite a bit that, bit of pre-work you've got to do to be able to do that. And that, that no, the no choose give is the first piece. Mm-hmm. So that first piece of emotional intelligence is about self-awareness. 
So saying, okay, well, what am I feeling in this moment? And the saying, name it to tame it. So the science says that if you do name how you're feeling, it actually dials down and calms down your emotional centre because your brain gets to release something. Yes. So actually saying what it is is actually quite useful. Mm. And so that's why journaling so yes. so popular. And, and that choose piece is really about that self-management. So saying, okay, how do I manage myself optimally? Mm. And the, another quick one-liner is, to set your map for the day, set your intention. Yes. And so writing down, okay, if if X happens, I will do Y. Mm-hmm. Let's say you know you're going to come across that customer that really, you know, doesn't float your boat in any way, shape or form. It will be, well, when blah, blah triggers me, as he probably will, I will take a breath. The, uh, the awareness piece or the knowing piece there I think is the most critical first step and I as I alluded to earlier, when we're triggered, we tend just to default into a behavior rather than acknowledging how that's actually making us feel. So calling that out mentally, you do need that space. Can you help me understand that? You do need that space and that time then to reassess, okay, well, what am I actually feeling here? What is going on? And then how do I use that information moving forward to change the triggers or make that choice that we speak to? So it's, it's an incredibly important um peace no choose and give i i i would love for all of us i guess to think about how this might impact us on a day-to-day um it's great to do some pre-work to set your intention in the morning think about how i'm going to deal with those tricky clients or the triggering stuff that happens to us on a day-to-day but how can we you know as we're learning as we're sort of taking those first steps is knowing that first critical step just calling out that piece of behavior or is it even taking it back a step from there karen and recognizing that i'm being triggered yeah awesome such a good interview nick um so i will use two terms here right and it might sound like they're a little bit wacky but they're really important so you know how at school we all get taught our times table Mm. and um spelling and we remember it, right, because it was wrote. Yes. So there is one, one skill called emotional literacy that we don't get taught, and it's actually starting. So the EQ work that I do is starting to get into a lot of schools, and hopefully that will just keep growing and growing. Right. But that skill of emotional literacy, if you think about it, let's just use the example of, um, actually, can I ask you some questions? Please do, fire away. Okay. So think of a time recently when you were really you know, blown away slash annoyed about something. Yes. Can you tell me what initially popped into your head about how you felt about it? It's really good question. I think I felt, I'm thinking of one situation in particular, and I think I felt if I name it now with afterthought, I was just, I was stubborn. I was immediately thinking, no, I'm not letting go of this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if I said to you, Nick, I'm going to give you $50, to, which, sorry, I'm not. <laughs> so I'm going to give you $50. <laughs> But to come up with two more descriptors of, so you felt stubborn. What else did you feel? I felt annoyed. I felt really annoyed and I felt frustrated. Yeah. Okay. All righty. And if you had a choice about how you could feel about that again, if this was a magic wand, I'm holding up a pen, I said to you, just play along with this. Just choose some other feeling that you could have had for that situation. What could that have been? Great question. I think I just removed myself from from being attached to those feelings at all. I think the problem on reflection was I was being attached to that stubbornness 
attached to feeling annoyed rather than actually stepping back and actually not feeling anything, just letting the situation wash over me and then re-coming back to where we were. Okay, cool. All right, so thank you for, I'll just put you on the spot there. I don't mind at <laughs> so, all, it's great. So what we know is if we can, you know, they, there's a saying, I, I don't know who came up with it, could have been Brian Brown. Mm. If we try to be curious rather than furious, yes. okay, we'll get vital information. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> I forget this. And, in fact, yesterday afternoon I got boom, I was like, ah, and I called <laughs> myself and went, hang on a minute, just be curious. Okay, yes. and I unpacked it a bit and I went, radio. that's why he said or did that. So that's called, there's, a, there's an exercise called TFA, Think, Feel, Act. Mm-hmm. So with the thinking, there are our thoughts that just popped in. And from each of those thoughts, you know, we, if we hold on to those thoughts, time is what causes a feeling. Yes. And so those feelings then translate to the actions that we take. Mm-hmm. So it sounds a bit complex, but if we can just get into the habit of whenever we go, man that's so whatever it is and it has a if it doesn't feel good for us if we can just play around with it a bit and be a bit creative about just even mucking around trying to come up with two other feelings Mm. thoughts and feelings that's what's called um elevating your emotional literacy and that then helps you to really step into that next skill of recognize the pattern that you've been in because you can't actually break a pattern and you can't not feel something right it's it's our internal data system. It is going to happen whether we like it or not. But what we can do with that thinking about stuff in a more creative way is build a new pathway, like a new yes. neural pathway to take us to a better place. Absolute. So the, the two skills that I just rattled off then were expanding your emotional literacy, which is just expanding, coming up with two other options about how you felt and then going, okay, if I could be creative, Let's just chuck something else in there that might serve me or the other person better and see if that can guide me a bit more effectively. Mm. Is it, Karen, because it takes us some time to learn not to be triggered, is it okay to start doing this in retrospect, do it retrospectively rather than in the moment until we build up that intelligence, resilience, so that we're able to stop in the moment and, and just pause and then make that change actively? Yeah, and look, the best thing that I can recommend, Nick, is it is that pre-planning. It's like anything. You know when you're getting your car to go somewhere, if you don't know where you're going, you stick it into the nav. Yep. Right? <laughs> sometimes it takes you in the right direction, sometimes <laughs> it doesn't. But what we know is that we won't even start the car if we don't know where we're going. Mm. So it's amazing that we do as well as we do if we don't plan this stuff, right? Like we are pretty... We're a bit smarter than we give ourselves credit mm. for. So a small adjustment each day will actually have a really extraordinary impact. Mm. And that is for, you know, for example, if it's um, if it's a tradie or pretty much anyone, when you jump in your car and you flick on the radio, even if it could just be that, that preset, when X happens, I'm really going to try hard to remember to do blah. Yes. And the remembering to do it's the hard bit. And so I'll say to people, even if you've got to draw a symbol on your hand, mm-hmm. right, and you see it, that's right, that's your little prompt to go, that's what I remembered when, when Tom drives me mental. I'm going to take a breath, step away, mm. hit the reset, ask him for more information so that 
you know, I can just be better informed about my next response. So the, the whole trick of this really is, or it starts with the ability to slow down the conversation. Yeah, and you know that there's plenty of great pictures around that we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yes. I think, and again, particularly when we're busy and we're not being conscious about what we're doing and how we're doing it, we tend to rush into things like a bullet a gate. And I'm very guilty of this. I, I don't tend to slow down my personal conversations. I can do it as a coach. I don't find it challenging as a coach because I'm actively listening all the time. But when I'm parenting or when I'm wifing or when I'm friending, I do find it a little more challenging to slow down those conversations. And I think um, there's this, well, for me at the very least, if I just speak about myself, there appears to be this pressure that I can't actually take the time to think about my next response. I think we've always been pressured to think quick, act fast, move forward. And in actual mm -hmm. fact, that can be quite detrimental to the outcome of the situation that we're in because we're not seeking first to understand. We're not taking that opportunity to get the information that we require so we can make a choice about our response. But trying to slow down those conversations is really hard. Do you have any tips around yeah. how to find that space in mm. a conversation? Look, I'm a big one for visuals, and I know your guys can't see this, but can I show you something? Of course you can. show you what I just, just so it might just take our conversation somewhere else. Here we go. So in teaching emotional literacy this next Tuesday, I've got that picture there, right? Yep. So that's a bridge in some crazy place in South America. They've done an amazing job engineering that, right? It's incredible. But emotional literacy is really the bridge between how you're feeling at the time and what you really want. Yes. So just don't think of that crazy term, emotional literacy. Think of a bridge. And as I go across this bridge, if I can walk a bit slower, I'll probably get to a more optimal place. And I thought that visual was really important because the bridge might have to go in that roundy, <laughs> higgledy, piggledy way in order for you to span the amount of time that you need. So another way of thinking about it is they call it, you know, going to your third space, you know, these yes. terms, you know, take the breath, the six seconds, pause, slow down. Because the whole um, six seconds thing, and this is in service of how could you do it better, um, you know, the EQ organisation, I do a lot of work, it's called six seconds. And the reason for that is in between us being um, triggered and responding, the, the physiological chemical response in us lasts about six seconds. Wow. And that's, yeah, so it's a pretty interesting term that they call their business. So and the reason for that is it was to save us in the moment, you know, when the dinosaur would have been chasing us back in the day whenever, whoever, whatever created us. Yes. Because the emotions are there to, to look after us, right? Yeah. They're really important. And so when people say, oh, I'll just forget about it, it's like, well, you can't actually do that. That's actually really not helpful yep. so we do have to listen to them there are signposts but not blindly because of all the other stuff that we have gone on our life our world previously and whatnot we will have got a pattern to hold on to them longer but I'm going off course but what I'm saying is if we are holding on to something for longer than six seconds apparently it means we're choosing to do that you know so we're ruminating on it and it might be useful we might need to do that we might not, which is yeah. why we look back to the emotional literacy is that we do need to assess it and get at least three options about, well, 
what does this really mean for me? And I, I get what you're saying. It's like in the heat of the moment, how can you go through this three option thing? Sure. So that's where you're gonna, and then we loop back to that's where you're going to do that pre-planning. Yes, yeah. So you have um, you have your direction on the bridge, you know, which way you're traveling. So you know exactly what is likely to happen and what could happen next. Karen, how do you do that when you, you've got no way to predict it? So the, I'm driving my car down the highway, somebody cuts me off, slams on his brakes, and I end up driving up his backside. How do you do that then in those really heightened, unpredictable yeah. moments? Yeah. Okay, so two things. Like if you're in danger, you absolutely have got to follow what your first instinct is because it will be looking after you. you know, and we're designed to get ourselves out of danger which is why apparently our emotional centre, our limbic system, takes up 96% of our brain real estate. Wow. I go, oh, my gosh. So that means only 4% is allocated to the clever, creative, problem-solving stuff. And I'm sorry, I haven't answered your question, but this is important and I might need to ask that one again. But the reason we do need to do this pre-planning work is if we die, that 96% sucks the life out of the 4%. Right. So, you know, you're, let's say, I don't know, you're on site and you, you know, we recently had a renovation. I could not believe how clever the guy is that ran our renovation because he just problem solved all the time. Mm. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's so impressive. So if you're not in a rested state, that poor little 4% is just exhausted, mm. right? So, yeah. So, sorry, what was the question? You said how do you do that in the moment? Uh, yeah, so if it's a really heightened yeah. moment, I really want to come back to that point you just made because I think it's important running into Christmas. But yeah. when if it's really heightened, it's not something you can actually prepare for. So I don't know I'm going to have a car accident or I don't know that yeah. I'll get a call from the kids' school to say something's happened to one of the kids. How do you prepare? Well, you can't prepare, but how do you then change your response in that second? Is it just because you've built up the resilience and the habit by doing the preparation ordinarily, or or maybe it's because you're not so fatigued by having those explosive responses ordinarily that you have the space then to think about how you could change that response. Yeah. Okay. I think it's three things, Nick. It's number one is, and you won't be surprised by this, absolutely your own values, your own North Star, your compass, right? We all know what they are because they're our default that we go to no matter what, even if they are good for us or not. And I'll give you an example. Mine is definitely kindness and over-service and I constantly shoot myself in the foot with it. It's really hard not to do it and I do. I constantly make that mistake. So I actually am aware of it and then I'll put myself back. So you've got to be really aware of, of your values and some of them are good because there's a thing called shadow values, right, and that's another whole podcast. <laughs> but just be aware of them and saying, okay, well, in any given moment, which ones do I want to honour? Mm -hmm. So knowing that, because if you don't honour them, let's say you act outside of them, then you won't like yourself, mm. you get that regret, and that certainly happens at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the, the other one is that, like you mentioned, that self-care. None of us are our best self when we're exhausted. No. Right, because the 4% depletes to 2%. Yeah. And you know yourself when you wake up, like you're trying to you're sitting up late trying to figure something out and you just can't crack it. You go to sleep, you wake up, ping, there's the answer. Every time. <laughs> it's because your brain's rested and the little gating to that 4% opens up and then walks the answer. So that self-care is critical. And I feel like a total hip hypocrite saying this because I have <laughs> certainly pushed the boundaries of that this year. <laughs> I think we all do. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, your values, your self-care and 
and saying to yourself, look, when push comes to shove, how do I want to be perceived by other people? Yes. And myself. Absolutely. And I, I, I think in the first instance, it's really hard to do. Um, and it does come back to the practice. This is a practice. It, it's, it's like any other practice in our life, mindfulness. We're mindfully making choices about the way we want to be perceived, um, where our values align with the choices that we make in those hard moments. And that can be really tempting to throw away, particularly at this time of year, because we're all running on the smell of an oily rag, if that much even. Exactly. So, the timing of this podcast I feel is super important for us to mm. remind you listeners how important your self-care is coming into Christmas and to encourage you to start to make some choices around the practices of being triggered and not triggered, what that might look like in terms of preparation for your day so that you're more mindful around the responses that you choose in any given moment. Um, it's a great opportunity to do the learning now. These are just very small parts of what Karen actually does and delivers in a program but we thought they were really great ones to bring to your awareness just as we move through this busy period and um highly emotional period for many as well given the christmas time can bring about a lot of really challenging emotions and anytime we're challenged emotionally my perception is that we fall back to those childlike behaviors because that's generally where those triggers are coming from anyway yeah, and it's Nick. It's because um, when we're under pressure, we we immediately we only use what is a strength that we know. Yes. So if something, um, if if you want to portray something new, it will have to be practiced so many times because when we're under pressure. We default to our what we've got pathways there for. Mm. So if you need to build a new pathway for a new way of responding, it is going to take time, and it takes. A very long time and as a picture as a metaphor it's sort of like um the grand canyon you know the water that flows in those crevices mm. it's the same in our mind and our neural pathways you cannot get rid of an old pathway it is there forever but you can build new ones quickly but they do require work and focus mm. so i know you know it was as a big gym man what i'm saying with this is this is thinking fitness yes and if, you, if you were to allocate a smidgen of the time people spend in gyms to this, let's say three times a week you allocated just 10 minutes to this sort of stuff, you'll notice a massive difference. Mm. And going forward, everyone's heard the great resignation of people being on the move. And we know that people, you know, staff move on when psychological safety is triggered. Yep. And so everything I'm talking about is to help you make sure that when you're communicating with people, you've got them in a towards state, meaning that they want to come towards you, not pull away. Mm. And so if you can respond in that more optimal way of curiosity rather than cranky or furious, they will be really happy to come towards you with anything and then you'll be able to sort things out. Mm. But if we push them away, <laughs> there ain't many to get. Right? So no, there's no one at the Making it more workable for everyone. Yeah. Great tips, Karen. I, um, as you know, this is a subject close to my heart and we've, we have worked on this a few times together now. I find it fascinating to think that um, we just default without having a clue and it's not until we start to have some of these conversations that we give opportunities for people to learn that we have a choice always. There's a choice for every situation we're in, whether we like that situation or not, we can still choose the way we feel about it at the very minimum of nothing else. The old saying, um, there's behind every cloud there's a silver lining or however that goes is so incredibly true if again we choose to find it we need to look for it quite frequently and that might be just by 
making those choices around our behavior. Karen, can you describe for us, please, the program that you do run? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be really interested to understand what you do and how you teach it. Yeah, sure. Can I just add one little other final tip that I'd like to give them is that, hey, we're all human, we all make mistakes, and we've all got to be a bit more kind and generous with each other. So just write down the circle back. Let's say you snap at someone afterwards, you're thinking, oh, God, I didn't want to do that. So much power in circling back to them and saying, actually, shit, you caught me at a bad moment. That wasn't what I wanted to respond like. Can we just go there again? That reconnection is powerful. But if you leave it and you don't do that, you don't know where the relationship's going. So a bit of self-compassion that we're all human, loop back and, and sort of reconnect it and you'll be fine. It'll be That's really a great powerful. point. Yeah, so seriously, no, this is actually that complex it's about just training ourselves to remember to do it absolutely (laughs) yeah so Nick with the program for years I've been trying to think how the heck do I fold all this stuff in as an overlay over some really fundamental HR practices to help businesses that can't afford or have a need for a constant HR presence and Mm -hmm. if you've got one person you need to know this stuff Mm -hmm. so finally have created this and the first program is going over four months it's seven steps And it starts with, we create like a people operations plan, which just includes only the stuff you need to run your business from the HR world. And I've done, you know, a gazillion years on this and I've got it into three steps. Thanks very much, everyone else. Um, But laced over the top of that, I've included the EQ stuff, some brain-based coaching stuff, psych safety and all that. So it's quite interactive and a bit fun. And then we do do one day of legal and compliance. You know, shoot me now, but there are some things that you do just have to know. And then we tie it off with the thing that I'm absolutely most excited about, which is teaching people to be their own results coach. Yes. Actually giving them everything they need to coach themselves and other people. And with that, they can't get into trouble. So it's so exciting. And I'm the worst marketer, as you guys know. I've never done this before. (laughs) But I'm super excited and proud of it. So, yeah, finally just launched that and we'll be doing more of it next year. So That's fabulous, um, Karen. mm, So it's called People Success Path and, yeah, really excited to have people joining and one of your lovely guys. So, yeah, really (laughs) Hello, Matt, if you're listening. Now, Karen, where can people find out more about you and the program? Yeah, so just jump on to peoplealignment.com.au. We've got um, a free event probably coming up early January where we'll talk about it a little bit more and also give away heaps of value. But the next round won't start until the end of March next year when we close out this round. I did have a crazy, you know, first price that I said I'd never repeat, but I know how hard your guys work. So if if they want to come along to this event in January, they might be very lucky and just get that one last time. It's insane and I honestly can't do it again, but it's also that noble goal. We've got that in our EQ framework, which is about give, the give part, the no choose give. So really happy to do that and really interested to see how much of a difference it makes. Fabulous, Karen. Thank you. We will include all of those links in the show notes. If you have any questions, you can read. Karen is one of the most generous and giving people I've ever met. If you've got questions about this stuff, she will absolutely over-service and over-deliver, answer your questions so that um, she can frown at herself later on. Um, But it's a great opportunity for you to learn more about what EQ is, how it can help you within your business, and most importantly, how it can secure you as a fantastic leader, which 
I think for business women in particular is super important. And when we think about tradies and their partners and leading teams, it's not something we're often taught. So this is a great opportunity to shortcut a lot of that learning whilst doing a bunch of learning about ourselves as well. Thank you, Karen. That was fantastic as always. Oh, thanks, Nick. And, you know, I guess the final thing is, you know, we've all got other people in our lives. So everything that we talk about in our training, you transfer it to your kids, Mm -hmm. your friends. It's really helped me out of some pickles with my adult kids. So, (laughs) you know, I just think, wow, it's it's been quite amazing. And, And they look at me like, well, actually, that was really good because it's all about helping people have their own insights to figure yes. things out, right? So you're not telling them and then, yay, they go off and do what's right for them. And that's what, we, you know, what we've got to hope for. That's so. brilliant. I love that it's helping your adult kids. Maybe we need to talk some more. <laughs> Definitely. Love to. Uh, thank you, Karen, and thank you, everybody, for listening. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ladies in Business. Got a guest you'd like us to interview? Maybe you have a story to share or some feedback to give. Find us on socials or drop us a message via the Tradies in Business website. Take care of yourself, ladies.